Welcome to the Vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. We're so glad you're here today. And I uh, hope it's nice wherever you are. It's a little rainy here, but it's not bad. So, it comes and goes. But we're just glad to be with you this morning. And uh, I don't know why I'm about to give you a calendar update and say it's the last Sunday in, Ju- in June, but it just hit me. So uh, here we go, July and pressing in and all that good stuff is coming. But, uh, but we're here now. We're continuing on in a series called Are You Ready? And I want you to remember that the idea behind this series, it's really all about hope, our hope. Because um, when we started, I said Peter told us that we need to be ready, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. So we've spent a lot of time talking about what that hope is. Remember, big hope in Revelation 21. You have the picture where the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, comes to earth. Earth is renewed, restored. We get new physical bodies and things are back the way that they were supposed to be at creation. Uh, because, you know, that was a place, that cosmic temple where heaven and earth met and God wanted to dwell with us and We chose to go our own way, but God never gave up on his good creation. And this plan of redemption came into play. And we've been watching it unfold throughout these last, uh, you know, thousands of years. And we know what we're moving towards. And now, because of uh, what Jesus has done, and he went to the cross and defeated death and sin and rose again, we can look through the cross now and we can see how the whole story ties together. And when you get a hold of the whole story, I think then you're able uh, to really give the reason for the hope that you have. Because there's, there's, there's uh, you know, an untold number of reasons that you can now look towards. And uh, it's, a, it's an amazing journey that we're on. And uh, it's not, it, it, we limited it, I think, unfortunately, to the idea that at some point we'd just kind of escape from the planet and we'd go hang out on a cloud with a harp and, 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 and there's that transition time until Jesus comes back. But even then, that's not going to be boring. That is going to be awesome around the throne. And then there's all this life that's coming, this, this life after life after death. That's our hope. And so we have to get a hold of that, and then all these things start to tie together. And really, that's what we're trying to do is tie some things together so that you're ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. We've been looking at lots of themes, but... but you know, the last couple of weeks, we started pressing into the idea of the kingdom of God. And we're going to continue to do that for another couple of weeks. And I, I first and foremost, I want you to get, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we are not talking about a place. And that's normally what we our thinking does. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign. All right? It's God's rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. That's what... It's all about in the scripture when you read about kingdom of God. And today you'll see when we read about kingdom of heaven in Matthew, it's the same idea. So we're going to dig into those things today. We were in Luke, uh, last week in Luke 4, where Jesus reads from the scroll in Isaiah 61, uh, and he talks about his mission. And we, we talked about Jubilee of Jubilees that were people of God's favor. And we, we spent some time to, because remember in the synagogue they were mad at Jesus because he didn't include the day of vengeance. And that's what they were consumed by. And because they were consumed by that, they missed the idea of the kingdom, that the kingdom was here, that the kingdom was breaking in, that Jesus was showing it and demonstrating it. But because that whole idea of vengeance, which is for the Lord, that's, you know, that's not our deal. That's his deal. We're everything up to that point. And because of that, they, they tried to kill Jesus. And so we looked at that. And, and there's something in that for us 
And that we have to understand that we're the people of the favor of God. And that's what we bring to the world as his people. So that's very significant that we get a hold of that. All right, we're going to dig into Matthew 5 here in a minute. And we got some really cool stuff in there. Uh, but we got to do these bad jokes. This one has not worked twice, but I'm hopeful that this is the right group. No pressure. When I was a teenager, I once went to an outdoor concert that headlined the band Queen. As it turned out, the performance was stopped halfway through due to thunderbolts and lightning. Very, very frightening. Me. Galileo. Will he ever stop? Galileo Fiano. See, I got more people in my age group, apparently, in this group. The guy who invented the umbrella wanted to call it the Brella, but he hesitated. <laughs> Some people say I'm too vague, but you know how the saying goes. Alice, would you come and lead us in the reading of the scripture, please? This group gets me. Yeah, oh, there you go. That's it. Or they just have pity on you. Could be that. Pity laughs. Anyway. Hallelujah. Haven't heard that song in a long time. Right? Good morning. It's good to see you all. Let's go ahead and press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? And I'm going to pray a prayer for you that the Lord gave me this week, so forgive me if I read it, but I feel like he wants me to pray this with us this week. Lord, remind us today that in our walk with you, it's not the big, it's the little. It's not the extraordinary, but the ordinary. It's not the seen, but the unseen. It's not the tangible, but the intangible. It's not the quantifiable, but the priceless, like sunshine during a rain shower or a gentle breeze on a hot day is the touch of the great I am. Lord, I pray that each person here would feel that touch today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Matthew, and this is chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So, that passage that I just had Alice read, I wanted to start there because I think that it's often a very misunderstood passage, and I have this thought that it's something that a lot of believers read very very early on in their journey because a lot of people will start sort of reading the scripture in Matthew, and if they're not really sure of how everything is tying together, they, it's very easy to make some assumptions that aren't good there, and it will impact the way that you walk this out. So I want to begin by, by kind of jumping into that part of Matthew 5 and make some connections for you. Let me say this first. So in Matthew, uh, he's, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And are they different things? No. The reality is they're, they're, they're interchangeable terms. Matthew is writing to primarily a Jewish audience. And at that time, they, would not, they didn't like to use the name of God in anything because they considered that irreverent. And so they wouldn't even write God that way. They would miss a letter on purpose. And they wouldn't say it. So what they would do a lot of times to, uh, instead of saying God, they would say heaven. And have people make the connection. And so Matthew is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Same thing as the kingdom of God. And what have I been saying to you every week? Not a place. It's not a place. It's the, just the deal is it's God is king. That's what it means. It's, it's his rule, his reign. On earth as in heaven, this is the deal. Not a place. It's who God is and he's the king and all the prophets were about a coming king and, and it's Jesus and fulfilling all those things. That's the picture. And so, you have to start with that, and I'll, we'll get to that in a minute, because otherwise, if you think you're reading about a place, you're going to think that this is a bunch of rules on how to get to that place, and that's not what's going on here. The other thing I want you to see, and now you can begin to tie things into the story, is that Matthew sets it up like most of the writers, and they're drawing in Old Testament stuff, because they've made some connections. And uh, so just so you get a hold of it, in Matthew 3, we have um, the baptism of Jesus, and then in Matthew 4, we have the temptation of Jesus. And, and now in Matthew 5, there's this thing happening on a mountain. What is that connecting to? Well, if, and if you remember when Jesus was young, he was in Egypt for a while. And he, remember, he, he comes out of Egypt. All right, Israel is in Egypt. They come out of Egypt in the Exodus. And how do they do that? They go through the water. So when the, we hear about the baptism of Jesus, we read there's a connection. And then after that, what do they end up in? The desert, the wilderness. Jesus does that for 40 days. It's like they're 40 years. And then if you follow the story in Exodus, you know what happens next is they, they're in the wilderness and they go to a mountain and, and God gives them ten words, ten commands. Um, the ten commandments is how we know them, but these ten words are given to them. And something very similar is happening here with uh, the whole story of Jesus out of the water through the desert. And now he's giving them these, uh, these words that we're going to read in the Sermon on the Mount at a mountain. And there's connections there that we need to understand. They're very important for us 
to, um, to get as we look into what's going on. And so, so we have that whole scenario happening, and those pictures are happening, and Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Now, because we've been taking some time to look at it, we understand that what Jesus is really saying there is a, is a bigger picture. And what he means by the law and the prophets there is the whole Old Testament. Because we saw it the other day when we were in Luke 24, when he's walking with the disciples on the two disciples back to Emmaus, and he teaches them, and he says, and but Luke says he goes back to Moses and the prophets, and he tells them how it all points to Jesus. Well, Moses wrote the law, and the law is the first five books, also known as the Torah. That's the whole thing. But we have a tendency to look at law, and what do we think? It's the Ten Commandments. You're talking about the Ten Commandments here. And, he, and, and a lot of people go, I haven't come to abolish those ten, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. What Jesus is really saying there is, so I'm the fulfillment of all the stories in the Old Testament. And they're all going to happen until we get to our hope. And, and so don't set aside any of the least of these commands. If anyone sets them aside and teaches other accordingly, they'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So people start to read that, and they go, well, it's about the law, so it's those Ten Commandments, and, and if we don't do it right, we're going to be least, and we don't think of that as his rule and reign. In heaven, it's going to impact us in heaven. But if we get these things and teach them, we'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven, which sounds good. And I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We've read that as a place. And we think, listen, if we don't get these commandments down better than the Pharisees did and live them out, we can't get to heaven. And that, unfortunately, sort of sets a foundation in a lot of believers' lives. And, and from that, they become very sort of rule-following, very legalistically oriented. And, and when, you, when that be, defines you, not only can you not live up to it anyway, but you start to judge and be critical of everybody else around you. And that's not what's going on here. What's going on goes back to that other story. Jesus comes, he says, listen, I've come to fulfill all these things. This is something that's been happening all along. You just haven't been looking for it in the right way. The kingdom is here now. It's not what you expected, remember last week? But it's definitely here. And when, back in the Old Testament, when God gives them the Ten Commands, the Ten Words, here's what you have to know about what was going on there. That was not what you did in order to get saved. That's it. Those were given to people who'd already been saved, rescued, delivered. They were already set free from slavery and bondage. They, they had been set free. What God does with those ten things is that now that you're set free, now that you're my people, here's how you're supposed to live. And he lists those ten things. Now, what are those ten things? Well, Jesus summarizes them for us all the time. What are they all about? They're not a bunch of rules to follow. It's about how to love. It's about what loving looks like. And it's... All about loving God, all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first three. The last six are all about loving your neighbor as yourself, because that's how Jesus summarized it, right? Loving your neighbor. The last six are about loving your neighbor. Number four, I always say, is about loving yourself. has to do with Sabbath, and it has to do with resting in the Lord and realizing He's in charge and all those things. They're all, it's a big love thing. And over time, people took that and said, no, these ten, you've got to do these ten things, and that's how you get saved. And that's what it looks like. And it's not. And when Jesus comes and he says, listen, it was set up back then, but you sort of didn't get it. 
And what you've done is you've taken these things that are supposed to be coming out of you as the people of God into the whole world around you and to one another and you've made them this rule following thing that none of you can do and you've lost sight of everything. And, and Jesus comes in and what he does in the whole Sermon on the Mount is that he sort of straightens out that mess. And he tells people what it looks to live as the people of God, as people of the kingdom, as people of the new creation. And that's what he's doing in Matthew 5. It's not a new set of rules. It's just this is what it should look like when you get a hold of what God has done and when you understand what it means to come into relationship with Jesus and to live this thing out as his kids, as his people. And it's a love thing. And see, what we're supposed to be doing is living as new creation people. We have this hope. We have this idea. We know that Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom. It's here in part that he's also, you know, he's defeated death and sin. He's the beginning of new creation. We're waiting on what's coming. But things are already going on now. And we're to live in that way as new creation people. That's what we're, we're all about. We, our eternal life has already begun in him. We're, things are, the journey is already happening for us. We're in. And so it's significant that we begin to understand the scripture like this and that we want to experience the kingdom of heaven in our lives now. That's his rule and his reign because that's where life is. But if we're not careful, we'll miss it because we get sort of these ideas about something else and that it's something else and we miss what God is doing. And there's no life there. And so Matthew 5, 1, uh, in the beginning of Matthew 5, now that the setup, we understand the Beatitudes come into place. Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, and he's about to list a whole bunch of things that people look at him like he's absolutely crazy. Because it's not what they think that it's supposed to look like. See, that's how they keep missing the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the rule and reign of God. The poor in spirit. The people who realize that they, they need it. They need his help. That they have to have him or it's not going to work. Blessed are those who mourn. That doesn't make sense. The sad people, because they're going to be comforted. But, but it's people who realize how far off track we are. And how messed up we are in our own lives. And, and how far we've missed the mark that, that he comes. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit theirs. This does not sound what the people of Israel are looking for. Remember last week, they just wanted their enemies destroyed. We don't want to be meek. We want to be mighty. We want to be back to the time of King David. We want to destroy everybody else and get rid of them. And Jesus is saying, mm, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For you'll be filled. The the hungry and thirsty are the ones that are satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Remember, that's really not what they want to hear. They don't. Well, we we like it for us, God, but not for everybody else. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's when I always laugh. I'm like, woo! Blessed are we. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Well, people go, see, there it is. It's a reward in heaven. Okay. I've talked about this before. You need to be very thankful that your reward, your inheritance is kept in heaven where it's safe for you. Because everything here perishes. Moth, you know, wrath, rust and moth. I'm going to get the words right in a minute. Wrath and must. Here it gets messed up. It's kept for you safe in heaven. Not so we can fly off to get to it, but because it's coming to us. 
and that's where you would want your stuff kept safe, so that it's with us forever. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, so, so now we sort of have these things laying out. And we just did a series prior to this one that I called Imager and Training, where I went through the Beatitudes. So I'm not going to go through them all again in detail, because we took a couple of months to go through it. But if you remember this, this is the takeaway from that. The Beatitudes aren't another set of sort of things that we, they're not commandments. They're, what they are is, that's what's supposed to be happening in you as you yield to Holy Spirit. These are the things that will happen. This is what kingdom of God people look like. They're merciful. They're, they're peacemakers. They, they get how amazing it is to be a child of God. Uh, they're, they're changed. We're changed from the inside out by yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's not that we're striving for those things. It's what's happening in us. And that you should see these things. This is how you know you're kind of yielded to the Spirit, is you see that these things start happening in you. You have this, this way of living in life that looks different. It becomes less about us and more about Him. We realize that He's the noun of the story, and we're adjectives, and it begins to change us. And as it changes us, it allows us to have an impact on the world. Because remember, we talked about this last week. The heart of God is that he wants to dwell with people. He, he wants people to come to be in relationship with him. That's his heart. What's our mission? Our mission is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That a way has been made. That there's a jubilee of jubilees that's happened because of Jesus. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. And now you can come and you can have your sins forgiven. And you can be set free. And you can be restored to the original vocation that we were called to. On this journey. And what does that look like? Well, he goes on, and, and Alice read this, but we're still in Matthew 5. And, and after the passage that Alice read, keep reading in Matthew 5, because it jumps into the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts talking about how this is what it looks like to be a people of the kingdom. These are the things that you're going to move into as you go. But we're to be the salt of the earth. That's an interesting thing. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Well, what does salt do? Salt adds flavor. Salt's a preservative. Salt's a pretty important thing. And this was part of Israel's calling, that they were to make a difference in, in the earth. Remember the original plan back in Genesis 12. I'll put the scripture up in a minute. But God makes this covenant with Abram, and he says, Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That was their calling. Now, by the time we get to Jesus arriving on the scene, they didn't care about any of the other nations. They wanted to be blessed and nobody else. That, they were vengeance, right? But that was never the plan. He goes with Abram and he says, God says, I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you and I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curse you, I'll curse. And all peoples, everybody on earth will be blessed through you. That's what was supposed to happen. That was Israel's call. What happens? Israel doesn't do it. They're, they're like the rest of us. They, they go their own way. They just want what they want. And, and so they're not that to the nations. They don't live this life out. They're not the people. Uh, of, of love that God called them to be. They don't put God first. They don't love others well. And they're not, they're not the salt in the earth. They're not the blessing to the nations. Until Jesus comes, who, as I've told you, is perfect Israel, and he's going to do all those things so that all the nations can be blessed through him. He said that we even looked at him doing that last week. He's saying, this is what's happening. And so the idea is that we're to be the salt of the earth, brings in the idea of being the royal priesthood. Mentioned it a couple of times. We'll dig into it even deeper next week. But this is our, our calling, and it and has been since that time. The idea of salt is to be this royal priesthood. And it goes back to our vocation and our imaging. We're to reflect God 
into the world around us and reflect the praises of the world around us back to God. That's kind of the priesthood part. And the royal part is that we partner with God to make a difference on the planet. Back in creation, we were going to make the whole planet like Eden, but we went our own way. We were going to take that perfection everywhere. But now we're restored to our vocation, and once again, we're partnering with God to make a difference on the planet. What does that look like? That mission of helping people know that there's a way to be rescued and restored and delivered and back in relationship with God in Christ. But they knew the royal priesthood idea back in Exodus 19. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. The idea was set up. You will be a royal priesthood and you're going to make a difference on the entire planet. Well, Peter, the, the, who really is how this, you know, we're into this series because he said to be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have. Well, he makes this for us in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, there it is, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into what his wonderful light. Hey, what he's done is he's rescued us from the enemy's, you know, whole deal by defeating sin and defeating death. And we've been rescued as we come to know Jesus. We're brought out of darkness in the light. And, and because we're people that are brought out of darkness in the light, what we're supposed to be then is the light of the world. We're supposed to let his light shine through us to make a difference in the world around us. So we're to be salt and light. That's at the heart of all of this happening in Matthew 5 and in the Beatitudes and in all of the Sermon on the Mount that follows. We're, we're to be salt and light. We're to make a difference in the world. And that idea of the light of the world goes back to Israel as well. Isaiah 49. We see this happening. And now the Lord says, He who has formed me in the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself... Uh, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord. My God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See, this is all part of God's plan and it has been all along. And now we're seeing it all being tied together. And Jesus is teaching, this is what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. It's not a place that we're going to, it's his rule and reign. And and where the kingdom has, it's inaugurated because of what he's done, it'll be consummated when he returns, but it's happening now. It's 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 here, but not fully here. It's the now and the not yet. And we're we're... We're living in that tension of the now and the not yet, just like we live in the overlap of heaven and earth. They're not millions of miles apart. There's, a, there's, a, there's an overlap that happens even in us as Holy Spirit dwells in us. See, these are the things and the ideas that happen as we go through uh, this journey together. Salt, light, priesthood, people of the grace and the favor of God. We're called to be a special people for the whole world. God wants to bless people through you. Get a hold of that for a minute. God... God wants to bless people through you. Now, why is all this so important? And we're going to dig even more next week. We have to understand, make this connection, this is my hope, that you're the people of the favor of God. And that what God wants to do is bless the world through you. And the way that we do that isn't by being critical and judgmental. It's by being salt and light. It's by loving people... Um, in a way that that draws them in to the bigger picture, 
See, that was, that's what so Jesus was so good at. He loved people so well, no matter where they were at, that they were just drawn into what he was doing. And then he would tell them about the kingdom and about what it took and about how to get, how to get in to what was taking place. See, that was the heart of God. It was about loving people well. And this is the calling of the church. We're called to love well. It's, it's what these Beatitudes are about. It's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's about how to love well. Love God. He'll summarize it. And get Matthew 7. He'll summarize it. Love God all in. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love people the way you want to be loved, he says in Matthew seven twelve as well. All, all these things are happening. This is our calling. This is our mission. This is what it means to be a child of God, to be people in his kingdom. And we have to be very careful that we haven't misunderstood this whole thing, and we thought, no, it's all about me following the rules so that I can be saved. And I can't even do that very well. But even in my not doing it very well, I'm going to look for people that are doing it worse than me, (laughs) and I'm going to judge them, and I'm going to get critical. And I'm, I'm carefully how I'm saying these things. See, the Beatitudes are all, they're all how to live right side up in a world that's upside down. I want you to get that the world has gone upside down. It's been happening. It was upside down 2,000 years ago. It's worse upside down now. It's completely upside down. And they, they didn't want the Beatitudes because he was writing them up. He was getting, no, this is what it looks like. And it's hard in a world that's upside down because... It, You know, the Bible said that a time would come when good would be called bad and bad would be called good. Welcome to that time. And we have to be careful that we don't become those vengeance people who just want, God, we want you to show up and wipe all these people out because they're making us crazy. God, the world is, is the, the, the enemy has flipped everything and people are blinded to the truth. We want you to come. We want to walk with you so that they come to know the truth and can be set free. And, and, and sometimes the church can just be so mean that I'm amazed that anyone comes this way. Right? So we, we can't, we're not going to have an impact on the world if we're a bunch of big meanies. And we can't, and we got to start. Let's not be mean to one another. Let's, let's realize all of us fall short. The only way we even have a shot at this is because the Holy Spirit lives in us now. You can't. Israel couldn't do it because they don't have what we have. We have Holy Spirit. God has made it so that Holy Spirit can dwell in us. He can empower us to begin to make good choices and, and to begin to live this thing out in a way that's a little more pleasing. But you do that because of Holy Spirit and yielding to Him. And that's the difference. And we need to get a hold of that and and realize, wow, how fortunate we are that Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we can begin to live this thing out. And I'm not going to get judgy against anybody else because they don't have him yet in their life helping him out like that. I've got to love them well enough so that they can come say yes to Jesus, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then let him change them. See, that's kind of what we have to get into and where we need to understand these things as, as the church and as what this looks like to be the royal priesthood now. And, and we, we kind of grab a hold of those ideals. So, 
I got more to say, but I'm out of time. Uh, I'll pick it up next week. And I got some good stuff next week. Next week, we're going to talk about imaging again and about idolatry. And I think there's some fascinating stuff that will really set some people free. Um, but we'll get into that next week. But for this week, go back and read Matthew 5. And if you can, read 6 and 7 as well. Read the whole Sermon on the Mount with the idea of what's really happening here is this, this, all these connections with what was going on back at the time of the original Exodus and see how that impacts us now and what that looks like. But uh, I'll leave it there with you. You can do that. Alice, why don't you come? Let's pray. And we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. Hang on to that thought, though. God wants to bless people through you. It's a big deal. You're the people of God's favor. And uh, we're to share it with the world. Papa, would you help us? To live right side up in an upside down world. Even knowing that as we do, there'll be some pushback because people won't like it. But God, we know that's your heart and we know that's where we're going to experience you. Because God, as we, as we live in your rule and reign, as we, we move in that with you, we'll see you. We'll see the difference that you make. We'll see how you use us to bless people in the world because of you. And so, God, just empower us by your Spirit to live for you in a way that makes a difference in the world around us. To be the people of truth, the truth that sets them free, God. Let us be, a, let us be salt and light. The royal priesthood that you've chosen and called us to be. Alice. Amen. I have one. Um, Miss Alicia had a really good word this morning, and um, I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to read what she said. It's 1 John 2:17, and this is out of the New Living Translation. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And what she what she wants you to know is, don't let the world get in the way continue to press into god there'll always be something more important to take your attention but jesus just says come come as you are and i have uh miss regina pastor georgina's got one i want her to share with us um yeah good morning i had a vision yesterday about a woman and she was looking out a window and there was tears falling out it was a window or just staring out and tears falling from her face and um and i think she felt ugly and i think god wants her to know that um her tears her face her heart are beautiful to him okay okay thank you thank you Gigi. amen amen his precious kids whom he loves This amazing journey starts by knowing Jesus. If you've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, do it now. Best decision you will ever make. He's done all the hard stuff for us at the cross. Our part is to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're responding to the good news when we do that, and it changes everything. If you do that today, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? If you do that today, I want to know. By texting, would you text the word heart to me? H-E-R-T, the 305 Seven four five seven five one three, so that I can celebrate with you. Church, again, thank you for your generosity. You're an awesome group, and we are so blessed to be a part 
with you on this journey to labor together in his vineyard. And we say thank you for your faithfulness, your giving, and your offering, your tithing, and all those things. Let's sing doxology, and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Have a great day today. Please go out these doors. They'll be open for you. And uh, I hope it's a great day. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you for watching us online. We love you guys as well. If you get a chance, go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7. I think it's just, we'll really open up some things for you and uh, you'll be blessed. Yeah, amen. I love the Beatitudes, don't you? Amen. They're awesome. All right, yes. you guys have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye.